the hills of uh, COVID being everywhere in this country specifically. Say, say that again for me. Which on one? the what? On the what? No, say, no, say well, on the what of COVID? On the hills? Is that hills or heels? Where are you from, Olive Branch? It's heels. Heels. What did yeah. I say? Hills. On the hills. Yeah, what, what's this thing that I write with? It's a pen. Pen. Dr. Uh, Jeff. I thought you were going to say pen. I would say pen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. While that has absolutely nothing to do with this episode, listen to episode 61 and hear what Dr. Jeff thinks about doctors making house calls. From the in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee, it's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. I'm very pleased today that we have... Dr. Ryan Sapo from North Dakota. As a matter of fact, I believe that you are in the main Mecca in North Dakota. Is that correct, Dr. <laughs> Sapo? That is right. I am in Fargo, North Dakota, just like the movie. You know, when I grew up in Iowa, people said, oh, you're from Des Moines? No. Oh, you must have grown up on a farm. Is that kind of the way it is in North Dakota? If you're not from Fargo, people are like, I'm clueless as to what else is there. Yeah, and I think most people wouldn't even be able to tell you where North Dakota is on a map, to be honest. So I'm I'm pretty pleased that uh, the people just are repping North Dakota in general. <laughs> well, um, and and by the way, that is uh, if if you have anything to do with it, that's soon to be Dakota, right? Not North Dakota. Is, I, that, is that right? That, I feel like that's probably how this is going to go. That's, uh, okay. Yeah, I think I think we just we don't need a north or south. We can just put it all together. And that's fine. That's right. That's right. South Dakota is just a <laughs> suburb of of North Dakota, anyway, right? That's right. We could just call it all North Dakota. I, I don't think our South Dakota <laughs> friends would find that at all. We could just call it all North Dakota. Yeah, I think there was a civil war of Earth mentalities like that a long time ago. But anyway, let's. I digress. So we're really. We're really pleased to have you, Ryan. You were an intern here, have gone back to North Dakota, uh, did your training down in Arizona, but have gone to North Dakota and set up your practice. Can you tell us a little bit about what your practice is? Let's get uh, let's get a chance to learn a little bit about you before we go deep into the subject we're talking about today. Yes. Um, so I was born and raised in North Dakota uh, in a really small town. Uh, my graduating high school class was 47 people, which I think a lot of people in rural America can relate to that. Um, I went to Arizona for optometry school and I met a girl, got married and dragged her up here to the frigid North. Uh, she's originally from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, then we, we, we moved up here and I worked for a couple of years in a private practice setting. And then just this past summer in July of 2020, we're coming up on a year ago. I started Lumen Vision. Lumen Vision is a family practice optometry clinic. Uh, we specialize in pediatrics and vision therapy here. So we work a lot with kids who have lazy eyes, eye turns, um, kids that have trouble with their focusing systems, their teaming systems, their tracking systems. Um, we work with all kinds of different things uh, on that front. 
You know, one of the things that we you've you've been one of our favorite interns over the 30 years I've been doing this, and I've seen a few different interns, um, but we always so appreciated your positive attitude. And with just that description of your practice, uh, I think if people don't come here in Cool Springs or Donaldson, I think they're ready to go up to Fargo and take a trip and just, you know, get a second opinion with you. Cause, uh, <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, it was, so I, uh, Dr. Jeff, I was uh, really fortunate to be a part of your clinic and to learn so much from you and how you practice. Um, one of the things that I learned from you is to practice like there's no competition because if you just take care of the person in front of you, that's all that matters. And, um, the people will talk and families talk. And as it turns out in the pediatrics world, especially, moms talk they the word of mouth referrals make a big difference and if you take good care of patients and take good care of kiddos everything ends up to work out okay well good things happen to good people and you deserve for good things to happen so i hope the practice is growing you started at a very interesting time coming on the the heels of most offices being completely closed and then starting to kind of reopen a little bit again so Mm -hmm. um, how how's how are things now in north dakota when you're looking at you know, we're recording this in June 2021. It was yeah. one year ago. What a what a change for you! Brand new office opening up. Um, tell me, tell me what it's like now. Yeah, in in the middle of North Dakota in in July of 2020, I'd say it was, we probably could have called ourselves North Dakota because <laughs> um, it was it was pretty rampant and pretty crazy up here for a long time. Um, I, I was fortunate that you know a lot of the practices that. Um, we're in Fargo. We're, we're just starting to open back up in July. Uh, and so, uh, that really helped us out because people were reducing their patient care loads so that they could accommodate the COVID protocols and the requirements that the CDC were putting out. Um, but then also we were able to see some patients. So it, it ended up working out okay. Um, and yeah, if you just take good care of people, like you, like you always say, it, it, it all ends up working out. So we, we've been growing and we're doing better than I told my lender we'd do. So that's about all that hey, matters. <laughs> rubber hits the road there, right? That's right. That's so, right. and your wife is, uh, she's vacationing in Arizona 11 out of 12 months. Is that what I hear? Some- Something like that. No, oh, okay, she, okay. <laughs> she teaches. She teaches middle school here oh, okay. at one of the Fargo Catholic schools. Here, she teaches sixth, seventh, and eighth grade religion, which is a lot of fun, and she loves her kiddos. Um, That's great. The reason that we, the reason that we cheer, and you, you, you heard briefly why Dr. Kegaris has given me a hard time about my football allegiance. I, I cheer for the Huskers, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and it's because my wife worked at the University of Nebraska for a couple of years before uh, we got married. So that's that's how I live and die by the Go Big Red. Um, and Dr. Kegris's Buckeyes kick our butt every single year. So that's, that's just how this, that's just how this works. We like to suffer here in, uh, here in North Dakota and that's, uh, that's our Nebraska legion. Only recently though, you know, you guys have such a, a great heritage in football. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Scott Frost is still going to turn it around. Do you think? I think so. Okay. I think okay. so. I, I have hope. I have belief. And, uh, yeah, the Frost era, uh, I think my favorite sign during the college game day a couple of years ago when the Huskers played the, the Ohio State Buckeyes was uh, Frost is bad for the fields when Justin Fields is your quarterback. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> that, was, that was my favorite game day sign of the whole year. Well, um, having been to a football game in Lincoln, I will tell you it's uh, about the best environment I've ever been to for a football game. People are friendly, and it's yeah. just like me. They just Susan and I just love going to see different traditions at different college football arenas and stadiums. So, mm-hmm. um, great stuff. But you mentioned one thing. You said my family practice with a specialty in children's vision and vision therapy, yeah. and that's really the topic we wanted to focus on today. We want to talk about children's visions. We see a lot, or children's vision. Excuse me. We see a lot of patients and parents 
that when they when we ask them about their children's eyes, they go, "Oh, well, you don't complain about anything," as though that means okay, everything's fine. I don't need to bring them in unless they have a complaint. Yet. There's more to it than just trusting what the child perceives. Isn't that right, Ryan? Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I often tell parents, kids don't know what they don't know. Um, if, they, if they think that everybody sees blurry when it's far away or think, thinks that the, the page up close is getting blurry or splits to two and there's two of things when there shouldn't be two, there should only be one. Um, we, we see that all the time that kids say, oh, that was how I thought it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then with either vision therapy or with glasses or a combination of both, we're able to help a child see the way that they're supposed to. And it's, it's amazing to see how that transforms the, the child, not only in how they see the world, but also in how they see themselves. There's, there's a lot of confidence there that happens once, uh, once the eyes are doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Now, you're developing quite a reputation, I can tell you that, from not just as an, as, as an eye doctor, I guess, what, one of three in North Dakota? Um, but, uh, well, yeah, right. <laughs> there's, there's not many of us. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, but with your, with your kids' specialty, with all of the things from a pediatric standpoint that you specialize in, then when, when do you recommend to parents that their children should have an eye exam? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I would recommend for families to bring their kids in uh, between six and 12 months old um, right away. Uh, there's a program called Infancy we'll talk about later, which is, which is a wonderful program. Um, we also uh, recommend at three years old and then at five years old and then every year in school. So it's every couple of years for the early parts of life and then every year in school because things can change so fast when we're school age. So tell us why is it important to have that exam? What are you going to find out different than what my child who looks like they can see that billboard pretty well. Uh, what are you going to find yeah. out? What are you going to look for? Great question. Yeah, I, I tell people that um, a lot of the scary things that you can see in how a child's vision works are, are going to be diagnosed in the first year or two of life. So um, things like cancer in the eye, retinoblastoma, which we never like to talk about, but can always happen. Um, there's lazy eyes and eye turns, things like amblyopia and strabismus that we'll talk about later. Um, also, people who have really high glasses prescriptions, a lot of our kiddos will experience or have those uh, symptoms and signs early on. And if we can catch that early, that is a wonderful way to help tra- change the trajectory of the, of the visual system and how the brain responds to that. So we, we do a whole bunch of things in our eye exams uh, for, our, for our kiddos at, at very young ages. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Parents always talk to me about how in the world... Do you, do you, what do you even look at? Like, what do you, what do you do in a, in a child's eye exam who can't talk to you? Um, there's all kinds of different techniques. There's all kinds of different techniques that we use. One um, that I, I know that you know how to do, because I've seen you do it, Dr. Jeff. Yeah, is but talk to our patients about it. Talk to our parents about yeah. it. Retinoscopy is, uh, is a technique that helps us check the glasses prescription for a child um, by using the light reflex in the back of the eye. So sometimes we take pictures at nighttime and you see how there's a red glowing eye that comes back at you. We can use that light reflex to our advantage and figure out how much power a child needs in their glasses without them even saying which is better one or two. So it's a great way for us to check that glasses prescription. Um, we also use a technique called direct ophthalmoscopy where we look inside the eye using a tool and we get really close, up close and personal with them. It's a little tougher in COVID days, mm-hmm. but we get really close with them to look inside the 
the eye at the optic nerve to make sure that that looks healthy. We look at the macula to make sure that the macula looks good and that there's not any congenital conditions. And then we also look at as much peripheral retina on the outside part of the eye as we can because uh, premature babies can have problems with uh, retinopathy of prematurity where the, the retina doesn't fully develop. And so we want to make sure that there's no issues with the peripheral retina. Um, there's a lot of other conditions, uh, like we talked briefly about earlier, retinoblastoma. Um, there's different types of eye cancers that can happen in the eye. And thankfully I have not diagnosed that yet in my, in my career, but I, I hope not to, because it is a, it is a very sad disease. It is prevalent. And that's why we want kids to come in early because the earlier you catch these things, the earlier you intervene, the better the outcome is going to be for the child. Yeah, absolutely. And that's nothing worse than a parent that says, what I didn't know, I, oh, mm. I, they feel so guilty they should have brought somebody in sooner and, and all yeah. of that. So, um, and there is no mm-hmm. way for them to really know unless it gets very, very advanced and then they see something completely abnormal happening. But mm-hmm. we want to catch it before it gets to that point. So you talked about the infancy yeah. program. Let, well, let's delve into that. What is the infancy program? We participate in that also. Yes. Um, infant C is a nationwide program, which is wonderful. It's uh, infant and then S-E-E. It's like a play on words. Um, the, 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 the point of the program is to get babies in for an annual eye exam very early, and it's a free eye exam for children under 12 months old. So what we recommend at our office is that between six months and 12 months, they come in for their comprehensive vision evaluation. We look at how the eyes team and track and focus. We look at the glasses prescription. We look at the health of the eyes. We make sure that everything's developing as it should be normally. Um, I'm really lucky in Fargo to have a great relationship with most of the pediatricians in town. And so they send me referrals all the time for, hey, it's six months at the well check. It's time for you to go get your eyes checked. Here's Dr. Ryan's card. And off you go. So it really helps. Um, it really helps patients and families feel comfortable, and that they know with the peace of mind. Hey, my kids' eyes are working the way they're supposed to. Things are developing normally, and we'll see you in a couple of years. It's a great program, and uh, I'm really glad that Cool Springs and Donaldson were part of it. Um, I was lucky enough as an intern to see quite a few of those, and those were my first infant eye exam mm-hmm, uh, as mm-hmm. a student. So it was really cool to cool to watch our doctors at uh, at Donaldson and at Cool Springs see see patients. Uh, at that young of an age. As I see it, we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jeff Kegaris with Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care. We've proudly served the Middle Tennessee community for the last 26 years, and I want you to know we really appreciate you. Having an annual comprehensive eye health and vision exam is so important to the health of your eyes. From signs of diabetes, glaucoma, and cataracts, we're looking for it all. Don't let another day go by. Schedule your annual eye health and vision exam at Cool Springs or Donaldson Eye Care. And now, back to As I See It. You know, one of the things that that I like is that you've modeled what we are, which is we work hand-in-hand with the pediatricians. It's not a battle of, of, oh, them or us. But there are frequently questions uh, that parents will say, well, you know, they check their vision at the pediatrician. Why isn't that good enough, Ryan? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's because the, the screener that they use, basically they take a picture of the front part of the eye, and what it's looking at is the corneal curvature. All it does is it gives them a baseline for what would be considered either a glasses prescription or the amount of astigmatism that a patient has. And 
Um, that doesn't take a look at the health of the eyes. That doesn't take a look at the focusing system. It certainly doesn't take a look at what the true glasses prescription should be for a patient. And so we, um, we always recommend that even though that screening is wonderful, they use that same screener in school vision screenings and other um, functions that are volunteer throughout the Fargo-Moorhead area. I'm sure they do it in Franklin and in the Nashville area. But um, we, we tell people that's not enough. That's just a screening for glasses prescription and astigmatism. It's not really anything that's going to tell us about what the health of the eyes look like. So there's a lot more to it than just that screening. That's true. And um, just like uh, I could probably look in your ears and tell you why your ear aches a little bit, but you don't want to take my word for it. You want to see the pediatrician. I can maybe screen exactly. for it, but go. To, but we want you going there. The same type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think we all, pediatricians, optometrists, uh, even ophthalmologists, are interested in trying, how do we get the word out to more parents that we need to get patients in or the kids in at an earlier age to try to prevent issues and one of those is a teaming issue which colloquially we call colloquially is here in the south that's what we call it i don't know what you call it up there in north dakota but probably about that something like that yeah (laughs) um anyway uh, we call it lazy eye which is technically by we eye doctors called amblyopia and that is a teaming of the eye problem because one eye's not working as well and there are various reasons for that so let's talk about what is amblyopia ryan that's a great question the amblyopia is a disease of the sensory process so what we're talking about is when the visual information gets to the back of the eye the brain decides that it doesn't want to use one of the eyes it wants to use only one and the uh the disease of the sensory process can have varying forms there can be different types of amblyopia Uh, But the main point is that one eye decides that it doesn't want to work as well as the other eye and the brain recognizes that and says, okay, I'm going to shut the other eye off and I'm going to just use this one. So we, for a long time, have treated, I mean, it's been known that that we can treat a weaker eye or amblyopia. We first Mm -hmm. have to know the cause and there are various treatments with that. Um, the conclusive studies have been reported in the PEDIG study. What's this stand for, man? That's, you know, we abbreviate it. Obviously, it's big words. Yeah, PEDIG. That's the Pediatric Eye Disease Investigative Group. And so there are, it was a multi-center study and it's ongoing, which is wonderful. So um, the, there's ophthalmology offices, optometry offices, pediatricians offices that are all participating in this study. And they're trying to figure out what is the best way and most effective way to treat these different types of amblyopia. Um, there's there's three main ones. I, I don't know if we've looked at that yet, but the three major uh, types of amblyopia, one has to do with glasses prescription. So there might be a situation where one glasses prescription in one eye is higher than the other. And so then the brain can't process that until we put glasses on. And so they call that refractive amblyopia. There's also types of amblyopia that are caused by Uh, something in the way, whether it's a cataract or an eye disease. And then once that uh, obstruction is removed, we call it deprivation amblyopia. The brain hasn't processed that information because there was something in the way, and so it didn't develop. Uh, There's also strabismic amblyopia, which is strabismus is the fancy eye doctor word for an eye turn. And sometimes when that eye turns a certain way, the brain says, well, I don't want to see double. I'm pointed in two different directions, so it shuts that one eye off. And then we have amblyopia because of that. The, the sensory process doesn't develop fully. 
Um, there's a lot of different treatments for these different types. Um, the major one is getting glasses on the kid right away as soon as you find out that there's a problem if there is a refractive component. Refractive amblyopia is the most common amblyopia, and so that's why uh, we want to get glasses on the eye if that's the uh, if that's the problem yeah it's kind of a uh, let's let's give that eye a chance to have its best vision first and see yeah. to what level it improves right because if it's never mm-hmm. had that it's almost like it hasn't been used to seeing well now we get it to seeing exactly. well does that does that actually kick the brain in to pay as much attention to it as it does the other eye so so we wait mm-hmm. a little bit on that and then and then we still have a let's say that we still have a weaker eye and we want to improve that to try to get it more normal or as close to mm-hmm. the stronger eye as possible. That gets into what the, what does the pedic st- studies or what are, what do they say about about this concept of patching an eye? Yeah, pirate patching. We love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it's definitely talking talking like a pirate day when you're doing that. Um, pirate <laughs> patching. Pirate patching is a it was was the frontline treatment for a really long time for amblyopia, and it's because what you would do is you would cover the good eye or the sound eye, and you would make the amblyopic eye do some work to try to wake the brain up to process the information that's in front of you. So, in order to do that, you have to penalize the the, the sound eye, and so they would put a pirate patch over. Um, there's different types of patches that you can get. There's some that are translucent, so think of like a frosted glass uh, over a shower kind of patch that they put over the good eye, and that helps give them peripheral vision without having central vision um, out of the good eye. There's also um, the slip-on patches that you can put on top of glasses, which is really cool, and then for our really young patients, they would sometimes recommend putting adhesive patches on kind of like a band-aid mm-hmm, to cover the mm-hmm. eye so that way we don't we aren't able to pull pull that patch off because as you could imagine kids really don't like being patched when they can't see as well out of that tougher eye and yeah. there, there there's a lot of tears and there's a lot of fighting um thankfully there's been some advances in treatments that we don't necessarily have to do pirate patching as a frontline treatment anymore and parents have really responded well to that because now I don't have to torture my kid with that pirate patch anymore if I don't have to. It's kind of like uh, if you're right-handed and we say, from now on, you have to eat peas with a fork and use only your left hand, right? That's going to be pretty frustrating, yep. tough to adjust to. Great for basketball players mm-hmm. to develop, uh, you know, left-hand yeah. dribbling skills, but uh, but tough. And that's why kids push back on that. And yet, uh, as, we, as we know, if we can overcome that difficulty and stay with the program, we can make some lifetime changes in these kids. Yeah, if absolutely. You, if you're just joining me, I'm talking with Dr. Ryan Sapo. He's a practitioner, an optometrist who has a family practice in Fargo, North Dakota, specializes in children's vision, Is an, uh, has an outstanding reputation among eye doctors, also I know among patients that uh, he has seen. And uh, So if you're in that area, you need to go see Dr. Sapo, we're talking about children's vision in particular and when parents should bring somebody in, what type of things we're looking for as eye doctors. And now we're getting into, well, what if we do find something? And one of those problems might be a lazy eye or what we call amblyopia and why many of the studies previously and studies are basically, wouldn't you agree, Dr. Sapo, they're, they're fantastic because they kind of validate what is good when we have a lot of rumor and anecdote in the community and so you do this kind of what mm-hmm. we call we hate the word double blind in eye care but basically we we randomize <laughs> people and we look at how they've done and then it advises kind of the general population of eye doctors this is what you should do in this case 
But that yeah. is not the leading edge of what should be done. In fact, you know, we've been patching eyes for probably 40 to 50 years. And we only recently in the mid, I'd say 2000s, got the the confirmatory studies of, oh, and this is what works best if you patch, correct? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I remember yes. I was treating glaucoma in the late 80s. I know, Ryan's before you're born, but, um, or in the <laughs> 90s. And, and my dad came to me one day and he goes, you know, we just had this guy lecture and he said, you know, there's no true evidence that treating glaucoma with eye drops or lowering the eye pressure makes a difference. And I went, oh, it's a bunch of hogwash because we all knew that it was better. But when I really looked at the studies at that point, it was intuitively correct, but there hadn't been that randomized treatment trial. And finally, we had those, which reinforced what we'd been doing for 15 years or maybe Mm -hmm. even longer. So that's, you know, studies are extremely valuable, but if we waited for only a study to prove something efficacious, we would be, we would be hurting so many kids and so many people in the, in the interim, because you got to be trying some things and that's how innovation occurs, right? We validate with studies, but innovation really occurs with people trying new things, finding things that are working better. So let's talk about this whole issue of treating amblyopia. Uh, patching isn't the only it's the, first of all glasses first wait a couple months yeah. and then see what improvement we get but then now we're going to try to improve the vision in that in that weaker lazy eye uh you mentioned different methods of patching but there are other methods of treatment what are those yeah. and how do you use those the there's there's three other ones that i can kind of if we're going to put them in boxes there's three bigger ones the one is with eye drop penalization and so that what they'll do sometimes is, is they'll put a drop of atropine which is a type of focusing system freezer and dilating drop that will stop the focusing system from working on things up close in the good eye so that the lazy eye or the amblyopic eye has to work hard to see things up close um, that seems to have similar effects to patching in that it improves the clarity of vision uh, in the in the lazy eye, but it doesn't really promote the binocular vision where both eyes are working together as a team. Um, and that was where a lot of the regression started happening in patients once they were done with treatment or they stopped doing treatment. The lazy eye would come back. I'm putting in that in air quotes. I, I know you can totally mm-hmm, see me mm-hmm. making this. Yes, in air I, quotes. I can. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You and your frostbitten fingers up there in North Dakota. That's right. Well, it's, it's, it's not the summer day yet. Five this weekend. It's oh my god! Five degrees this weekend. I know it's crazy. Wow. I, I just didn't know we could even have that weather up here. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, the the atropine penalization was one way to uh, to substitute having to put the patch on, which was wonderful. Um, there are also some studies that are just coming out on the cutting edge, talking about multifocal contact lenses. What does that mean? You put these. Uh, multifocal contacts typically on patients who are 45 and older who have a hard time focusing up close. But if you can put these multifocal lenses or these monovision lenses in to make the focusing system work really hard on that amblyopic eye, it seems to have some really good results. Um, That's another way to do it. Um, The most effective way, based on the PEDIC trials that are just coming out, uh, they were just released in 2018, the the most recent one, there are some trials talking about the focusing system in the amblyopic eye working best when you use binocular vision therapy. And it's amazing what they do. We basically put them in red and green 3D glasses. So if you remember going to those, uh, those 3D movies, they make you wear those glasses and then things float at you. Um, the, in, in this case, one lens is red, one lens is green, or in some cases it's red and blue. 
And in order to win the video game that you're playing, you have to use both your eyes at the same time because one eye sees one thing and one eye sees the other. So it allows mm. the sound eye, the good eye, to actually do some work while also forcing that amblyopic eye to catch up. So the, I think that that's one of the reasons they used to call it lazy eye is because that lazy eye would have to catch up to the sound eye. And in this case, we're dragging it along through binocular vision therapy. And the results in the trials have just been amazing that it takes about half the time for compared to patching or atropine therapy. And the results stay because it allows the system to become binocular. We're using both eyes at the same time. And that's, that's been tremendous, especially in treating our patients. And I know in treating your patients at performance vision therapy, that's one of the key components is using binocular vision therapy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, you know, when you, when you think about this, what we're kind of saying is, okay, well, we know that patching works, that, that improves whether you use an atropine or a patch that improves the vision Mm -hmm. in that eye. But then when you remove that, and now you expect that eye that's a little stronger to also team with the fellow eye, that's a different system, isn't it? To make it binocular. Yeah. And so what mm-hmm. you're saying is the more recent studies are showing train it in a binocular situation, which is the way people function and exist anyway, from the very get-go, right? And yeah, it takes less time, builds what we really want in the capacity in the system to work together to improve the overall visual processing and binocularity and less regression over time, which is really key because sometimes people have said, you know, I, ga- I had certain gains, but then I didn't do vision therapy for three, four years, and now I've lost them. Can I get that back? So let's talk about regression and can amblyopia treatment, no matter what method, be repeated? And if so... Can I regain where I was or am I starting all over? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I, it, it is possible to get back right where you were before um, if you start therapy over again. But I think the, the real question is why in the world did we regress in the first place? And mm-hmm. in most cases, like you said, it's because we weren't using both eyes at the same time. And um, when I talk with parents about treatment for amblyopia and I talk about you know, all the different things that we can do at our office. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a worst case scenario guy. That's just, I'm my father's son. <laughs> and I talk about, I talk about what's the worst thing that could happen. You know, and in, in, in a lot of parents' minds, the worst thing that could happen is that something bad happens to the good eye. And now we have to use that amblyopic eye. So what we want is to be able to get that eye to catch up and be able to see as clear or pretty close to clear as the good eye. And when we can get that to work together in a binocular setting, the regression rates significantly drop off. Less than 10% of patients are going back into therapy. Um, I think in the PEDIC trials, they talked about 2 to 5% coming back wow. after wow. they had done binocular therapy, which is just unbelievable. And the results stay. And like I, I just think it's incredible that those patients who really struggled or they had that regression would come back and we'd get right back to where we were in a similar amount of time as it took before. So I'm, I'm really impressed with like the, the research that they're mm-hmm. doing and how things are progressing. And I'm really grateful that, you know, we in our offices are able to utilize that technology. Are you using any virtual reality or do you see that on the horizon? Yes. And, and we're doing it right now in our office. I think you guys do too at performance vision therapy as well, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the system we use is called Vivid Vision, and it is an amblyopia and strabismus training tool that allows us to put a kid in a virtual reality headset where one eye, we can give them any image that we want, and the other eye, we can give them any image we want. We can make it blurry or clearer based on which eye is amblyopic or not. 
and it promotes that binocular vision like you were talking about. Um, a lot of kids that have lazy eyes also have an eye turn or some other concern happening, and so we're able to move the image wherever that eye turn is to line things up to help them promote binocular vision, which I just think is amazing. Um, we're doing that both in our office and we're also sending it home with some patients who are, have more severe conditions because that has proven to be, I, I think in the future where they're going to do more research on VR and that's going to be the future of vision therapy for amblyopia because that's going even faster than the binocular therapy of red and green glasses and video games. Hmm. So I, I really am optimistic that that's going to be the next up and coming thing. Uh, and who doesn't love playing a VR game? Like that Absolutely. is so cool. Kids, kids love it. Um, compliance with homework is so much better because you know, it's cloud-based so we can see their scores and, I, yeah, I just think that that is going to be the future of vision therapy with amblyopia for sure. So right now, more of a combination of in-office and home therapy, is that correct? Yes, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we typically do, um, and, and depending on treatment time and level of severity, we will do one, one office visit per week for our vision therapy program. I think it's similar at PBT. And um, we, uh, we also... Um, we also supplement that with sending home homework activities and that homework can be a variety of different things from paper activities to computer games to um, other virtual reality softwares like we just talked about. So we supplement that home uh, vision therapy to our in-office program and that seems to be the best result for patients uh, that they're doing both at the same time. There's not really any secret sauce to vision therapy, Dr. Jeff. As you know, if people put the work in, things get better. Yes. So that's, that's what's really cool about what we do. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to be along for the ride on these patients' journeys. It's kind of like physical therapy for your shoulder. If your doctor says this is what you got to do um, to help that rotator cuff, it may not feel good. You may mm-hmm. not like it. But over time, it's going to really help, right? Or if you're yes, post-operative, uh, if you don't do it, then... It's going to be a little more embedded and more difficult when you try to fix it later on. Which brings us to the point, um, many of our patients have had amblyopia therapy early in their life, maybe in their, you know, know, early on, people said, oh, if I don't catch this by six, boy, you know, I just can't make any improvements. And now we, we play with different numbers as to what is ideal. Ideally, it's younger, better than older. But there mm-hmm. are some people that have never had any amblyopia therapy and they're in their 20s or 30s. But they know they've always had a, quote, weaker eye. Let's say it's refractive or it's a mild strabismus. Or maybe they had a little bit of therapy, but it was just a patching or some effort like that. What do you advise for people that are 20, 30, 40? Can they still get some improvement or are they past the point where it's even worth their while? Oh, that's a great, yeah, really good question. And I I do get that a lot because I see uh, parents of kids that we see say, hey, is this possible for me too? Um, as, uh, as you might be aware there, you know, that it's something that can be genetic or we see it a lot in families. And so we, we have lots of questions about etiology and like how this all works. But, um, I tell families and, and it's specifically our adult patients, it's possible to treat, but it is sure going to take a lot longer than our kiddos do because, uh, neuroplasticity plays a big role in that. I just threw out a big word with no explanation or you, context. You did. And we're, Neuro- in the, we're in the South here. So could you say y'all in front of that I'll and just, put it I'll in single it, syllables? Slower with a little <laughs> bit of a drawl and I think we'll catch up. Okay. So, so the neuroplasticity of the brain means 
that the brain is very plastic. It's moldable. We can shape it however we want when we're really young. Mm, soft and plastic, the younger not hard we are, plastic. Yeah, yeah, soft plastic, yes. And so we can, we can mold the brain and teach the brain to do all kinds of things when we're young. Um, but it takes a lot longer, and it, it usually is a lot harder to do for adults. It's the old phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, actually, you can. It just takes longer, and some people just give up at a certain point. So Mm -hmm. I tell families uh, a realistic prognosis for how long I think this is going to take, and I know that your doctors do at Performance Vision Therapy as well, and when they they walk through the treatment planning and how we're going to do this, it takes a big commitment for our adults, but it is possible to do, and it can be a life-changing thing. I have a patient right now who's in his 30s that is in our our vision therapy program, and in just 10 weeks of treatment for in-office and home therapy, he's using our virtual reality software. He went from 2200, which I mean, that's the, that's almost the big letter E mm-hmm, on the chart mm-hmm. in one eye. And he's down to 2040, which would pass a driver's test in the state of North Dakota out of his amblyopic eye. Mm. And it is just incredible. The life changing, uh, ability that vision therapy can have for, uh, even our adults. I, I really stress that a lot. It, it makes a huge difference for, uh, in changing the trajectory, the confidence, and also just the ability of the brain to process information quickly, because if you're using two eyes, it's a whole lot better than using one. Absolutely. Uh, that's a that's some tremendous results. And it's also that it, it kind of belies the fact that we really don't have this this straight line of, oh, if you're before this age, we can help you. If you're over this age, we can't. Mm-hmm. It's really a rheostat, and a lot depends on motivation and, and other factors involved, what you have had, what you haven't had, and uh, what you want to accomplish, correct? Yeah. We get, Absolutely. Yeah. We get adults that have what we call phorias, which doesn't mean that if you look at them, their eyes look straight, but they're really working hard to stay straight. And then some point later in their life, maybe in their 50s, 60s, the muscles just can't hold it anymore. And we get we call that a decompensating. I know that's a big word for us and for you in North Dakota, too, but it also <laughs> means it just can't compensate for that resting position, the muscles. And so now I need to rebuild those. Um those people can also benefit from vision therapy, right? It's not just for kids. Yes. So even at that mm-hmm. point, do you use binocular uh, training with them or is that more of a individual eye muscle for one eye and the other eye? I mean, how would you approach somebody that says, you know, I was doing fine, but now I'm noticing when I look far away, I tend to see double when I turn my head to the right and it's bothering me when I drive. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the old doctor visit where they say, well, then don't turn your head to the right. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's right. That'll solve the problem for you real easy. But yeah, we, we see patients all the time who um, are, they suddenly see double. And double vision is one of the scariest and dizziest things that you can ever have happen to you. And I, I don't wish that on anybody. Um, we use a combination, Dr. Jeff, of both binocular and monocular therapy techniques to try to improve the flexibility of that muscle. Um, I, I have a lot of kids and, you know, some adults, I had a, oh my gosh, I had a seven-year-old boy that asked me, Dr. Ryan, are my eyes going to be as big as yours when I'm done with vision therapy? Are my muscles going to get so big that they're going to be enormous? And, and I said, no, 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 that's not how this works. Don't think of it like weightlifting. Yeah. Think of it like Pilates. We're improving the flexibility. We're improving that range of motion for the eyes so that you use less energy to keep things straight. So for decompensating phorias, I use a combination of binocular and monocular one-eye therapy to get both eyes to work together in an appropriate way. Because what's cool about people with decompensating phorias is that they had good binocular vision to begin with, 
but now they don't because that system can't hold it anymore. So um, in some cases for really severe decompensating phoreas where they have a giant eye turn, we'll sometimes refer for strabismus surgery that helps align the muscles and helps the eyes turn out straight. But um, it's, it typically is a combination of both. We need to do some therapy and if necessary, refer for surgical intervention. So wow. it's, it's really cool. I, I'm really lucky in Fargo that, you know, the one or two pediatric ophthalmologists that we have in town, um, both know me by first and last name and know my wife and they, they are, um, they're wonderful to work with because they can send those patients back and forth and they understand in the same way that you were talking about rotator cuff, you know, okay, if we have to do surgery, you're going to go to physical therapy afterwards. So they'll do strabismus surgery on our pediatric and adult patients and then they'll send them back and we will do the vision therapy to help promote that binocular vision. Absolutely. There's some amazing things happening. Yeah, it really requires just a close working relationship with both people focused on the patient rather than Mm -hmm. I do this and you do that and we're competing with each other. That's that's really, really old time, old school type of approach. Most people realize there's too much innovation and too much opportunity to improve uh, people now. patients, kids, adults to, uh, mm-hmm. to fight over it. It's a matter of how, how do we approach this best? You know, do we need surgery? Yeah. If we do, we're going to do surgery. If we don't, we're mm-hmm. going to avoid surgery, but there are a lot of methods to improve vision with glasses, with binocular therapy, with atropine. And by the way, we're also with atropine or multifocal contact lenses, um, we've got a, a myopia nearsighted epidemic. Dr. Amy Jacobs and I talked about that before, and Dr. Gary Gerber and I talked about that on previous podcasts. So some of this yeah. therapy we're doing now for um, binocular issues can also slow down the progression of nearsightedness, too. It kind of they both go hand in hand, don't they? Absolutely. And I think what's cool about our field, Dr. Jeff, is that the eyes are just an extension of the brain. There, there is so much happening with how the brain and the eyes talk to each other and what decisions are made and how the eye evolves and changes size and shape over time. And I think that the, the future is going to be with these therapeutic lenses, uh, particularly in the myopia management and myopia control world. Um, these multifocal contacts are really promising. It's been really cool to see the studies come out. Well, it's been really cool to talk to you today briefly, but man, we spent 30 plus minutes talking about this, but I'm just so enthralled as a fellow practitioner, but I, I hope that our audience is also on kind of the, the innovations and the approaches in, you know, we've got three to 4% of kids in, in the United States, even with good access to, to eye care, good medical care that still end up with a more permanently lazy eye unless we can intervene and help. That's only Mm -hmm. a part of what vision therapy can help with, but we're talking especially about amblyopia today. So let's say that I'm in North Dakota and I need a comprehensive, I'm a child, I have a child and I need for me a comprehensive eye health and vision exam. How can parents reach you and your office? That's a great question. We are, so uh, the, the, the 21st century has a digital online scheduler for us. So you can go to our website at www.lumen.vision, and that is going to get you an appointment, and you'll be able to click the link and pick a time that works for you and your family. Um, if you have any specific questions, you can always reach out to our uh, practice's email address, which is hello at lumen.vision, really simple. 
Um, and uh, our office number is 701-404-9096. I am so grateful that you invited me onto the podcast, Dr. Jeff. This has been so much fun catching up. Well, I really appreciate talking to you. I wish we were practicing closer together because I, I thrive on your energy and your expertise. And uh, if I if it gets really, really cold up there and you have too many frostbitten <laughs> fingers to put in contact lenses or you get fingers frozen to the eye, things like that, you know, there's always room for you down here in Middle Tennessee. I will tell you that. Oh. So. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jeff. This has been so fun. Sounds and, good. Uh, yeah, I hope, hopefully hopefully we can catch a college football game sometime soon. Boy, that'd be great. That would be great. So today on our show, we've tapped into the expertise of Dr. Ryan Sapo, who practices in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, he's an expert, an expert in children's vision and has reminded us of a few of the following things, among others, and that is get your children's eye examined, even if they don't have vision complaints. The first step in improving a weaker eye is getting the best prescription lenses. Therapy for a lazy eye or amblyopia is proven and very beneficial, but it's more than just patching now. Uh, Doing this so maybe with virtual reality, but certainly in a binocular state, Dr. Sapo mentioned red and green glasses, leads to quicker results and improvement and less regression over time. Uh, if you're in Middle Tennessee, don't hesitate to call us at Cool Springs Eye Care or Donaldson Eye Care. Go to our websites or directly for vision therapy to Performance Vision Therapy or the Center for Vision Development. But if you're in Fargo, North Dakota or anywhere close, make sure to see Dr. Sapo. And as always, Ryan, I just have two things to say. One, thank you very much for helping us spread the word of providing more than good vision, but a great healthcare experience for patients. And go Bucks. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Oh, go Bucks. Go Big Red. Go Hunters. We'll see you next week on another edition of As I See It. Have a great week.